In a world where God is dying, four heathens come to deliver the final nails in the coffin. From the depths of hell, Satan sends four puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists from the Middle East. Good afternoon, everyone. Today we have the third episode of the Secular Jihadists from the Middle East. Uh, I'm your host, Faisal Baghdadi. With us, we have two members of Al-Qaeda and two <laughs> oh, members Jesus. of... of of Ahrar al-Sham, uh, we have Yasmin here, uh, the wonderful Yasmin, Confession of an Ex-Muslims uh, blog and book, soon to be book, inshallah. Let's pray for that. Let's take a moment of silence for that. Oh, okay, let's uh, <laughs> And Armin, Armin, you sound a little, you sound choppy again. Armin, Armin, get Armin, triggered. stop talking. You're just, it's a Armin robot. Armin got triggered. He's not making any sense. We have. <laughs> Ar- Armin will need to log off and log on again. No, no, he's back. No, he's not back. Is no, he back? he's frozen. He's frozen and we can't so, hear him. So properly. Armin's internet connection is still from Tehran at yeah. this point. So, so, so Hezbollah just, Hezbollah just took, took over his... <laughs> That's what happens. You said oh, he was Lord. an Al Qaeda or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> NSA are like, all right, shut know, it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Armin is going to come back. Uh, he's probably like going to join the Rafsanjani army, the revolution. We have Al Rizvi, uh, who's here, the, the, the author, my wonderful friend, and the author of The Atheist Muslim. And uh, here, here's like for those who are watching, patrons, this is my Atheist Muslim uh, beer mug. That uh, was given to me very generously by my wife, and I love it. It's one of, one, of, one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. Anyway, so that is he's talking about his second wife uh, that is still alive, uh, and with us, <laughs> our guest, our guest for the show, temporary is the wonderful Rana Ahmed. Yay! So Rana, uh, as far as I know, grew up in Saudi Arabia. Uh, she has a wonderful story. She's an ex-Muslim. She escaped Saudi Arabia to Turkey, and from Turkey, she went on a boat to escape to Germany, where now she resides, and she's joining us from Germany. So we are an international group. Five of us now are people from a Muslim background. Each one of us have a story. Now that Armin is back, but we should start with Rana, because she's... Hello, Armin. You don't need an introduction because you're Shia, so nobody cares about you. <laughs> so, so, um, so, so let's start with, uh, tell us more about yourself, Rana. Tell us about your story. How old are you? Tell us about everything you, you, you can think of. It's important how old I am. I know. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering. Because... I was like, why do we need to know how old she is? <laughs> the What's your thing. blood type? <laughs> like she escaped Saudi Arabia, went to Turkey, then came here. It's like, so how old are you? That's that's what we want to know. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because Tinder is one of our sponsors. So oh, want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! So anyway, Rana, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, so We're tell really us, happy tell us about here. your tell us about your story. Sorry, because this is like kind of a humorous podcast we try to make it fun 
because it's very depressing at the same time. So uh, tell us, tell us about yourself. Okay, first I am thirty-one years old. I born in Saudi Arabia. I grow up there. I get my education there, and I work also there. I ran away in 2015. I go to Turkey, and now I'm in Germany. And I enjoy my freedom life. Yeah. So where where were you running? I so I I lived in Riyadh for about. Um, twelve years, you know, when I was, or I think about eleven years or so. So, where were you in Saudi Arabia? What city did you live? In Riyadh. Oh, you were in Riyadh I too. Go, no. I oh, okay. in Riyadh. I live in Riyadh. I I lived in. Uh, we were in the King Saud University compound. My father was, uh, you know, the the one with the big book that when you enter, there's a huge like yeah. uh, Quran or book. I don't know what it is, a monument. So, we lived on the on that compound over there. My father was a professor there, so. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about. It'll be interesting. But it was strange. Like I never met any Saudi people the whole time I was living there because they keep the Saudis and the foreigners so separate. And especially the Pakistanis, like people like me are, you know, yeah. no nobody really wants to talk to us over there. So and and I was also from a Shia family. So what was your did you meet any foreigners while you were there? Did you have um friends who were from other countries and you mixed with them and so on? Yeah, because I work in the hospital, I met like from different country. I met people from uh, Eritrea, Somal, Pakistan, India, mm-hmm. um, Philippines, and uh, Egypt, Lebanon. Yeah, all so, nationalities. So you are you are from a Syrian origin, right? You are originally Syrian. Really, nationality it's Syrian, but I born in Saudi Arabia. Okay, mm-hmm. and the Saudis don't give nationality to the people who are born there, right? No, it's not easy because you know it's no one can be Saudi. Yeah, your father, your father has to be Saudi, right? Yeah. Did you have permit residency, like uh, in Saudi Arabia? Again, Faisal. Like a permanent residency, like a like a green card or equivalent of a green card. I have like a visa there to stay and work because my dad uh, traveled to Saudi Arabia from before forty years. So Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah, it's like a sponsorship. So, 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 what happened? Uh, where did things change? So, you were growing up in Saudi Arabia. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Was it was it sort of very conservative? Was it religious, or, or were they a little bit? Uh, how, uh, what was it like? What was was it uh, Shia? Family? Was it Sunni? Uh, no, I come from Sunni Muslim family. They are radical Muslim. Uh, I was covering my face, my mom, my sister, the all. Uh, I covered my hair when I was like 10 years old. Uh, my life, it was really difficult there. Even if I want to get out to meet my girlfriend, my friend from you know, job or from, from school, it's not allowed for me. Uh, everything changed when I leave Islam. You know, you wake up and you know the life, it's different. Not like your life. The life is different. Not like how you live or how you are here in this country. Mm-hmm. What What made you? What was was it a slow process when you left Islam, or did it? Yeah. What What made yeah. you do it? How did it happen? Yeah, it's uh, you know when you grow up in the Muslim society, they make you um, don't know anything about atheist world. They keep you out from this world. You don't know anything. You don't. Uh, for me, even I don't know these people. They are exist in this world. Yeah. 
So it's yeah. a start from uh, online from Twitter, my Twitter account. I follow someone, his name Arab Atheist. I don't know what's mean Atheist. And yeah. I, take, I take this word, I translate it to English, to Arabic. In Arabic, I translate it also. It's mean Mulhad in Arabic. So it was like surprise for me to know there is people they don't believe in God at all. Mm-hmm. And, and everything started to change from this moment. And yeah, I, th- I think I know Arab atheists. From, does he know that he had such a huge um, role to play in your life in that way? That uh, the Arab atheists? When I arrived to Germany, I sent him a message. I told him because what you write in Twitter, because uh, what you want really to make change and different life for others, I am here now. You wake me up. No, that 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 that's truly amazing. I mean, I think just the, just the fact that you know we go we go on Twitter, we're just doing our thing, or you know whatever, and it it can completely transform the life of one person. That, that that's just a beautiful story. Faisal, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead yeah, and ask a question? Uh, so I want to ask you, like, uh, what type of content that was in the Arab atheist that changed your mind? Was it like? His own content was it uh, a personal story co- or personal stories? Was it books from scientists? What type of 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 material? In general, the information he tweets uh, because for me it was I don't have any idea about a first world, about evolution, about Big Bang, all this. I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. So he was publishing like science information, like philosopher thing like um something about the religion why we have to think and why we have to say maybe i am wrong maybe i am right mm-hmm. i see so it was the, the, the all the type of scientific philosophical uh content okay mm-hmm. so so it wasn't i mean um I, I, like how how much would you say that your personal history, the way that you were living and and you wanted that freedom, um, that also had a role, or was it just mainly just the fact that you saw that these beliefs were wrong and it's you know you found out about science, you found out about you know just the reality of things, and uh, you realize okay, I've just been following this and I don't want to follow it anymore. It's it's not only science, it's not only information. It's also about to know you can change your life. Mm -hmm. To know you can get better life. To know maybe if you go to another country, you can live the life you dream about it all the time. You know, for me, even to walk in the street like normal people, it was a dream for me. It was a dream to work without covering, without someone from my family. So even the simple thing, it was really dream for me when I was in Saudi Arabia. I was, I start thinking maybe I can do it. But in the beginning, I was really afraid. It mm-hmm. was only idea in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us how you how you did it. So, you had the idea in your mind. You're following Twitter and you're following the Arab atheist. You're starting to doubt everything. You start. You realize that there's another world where you can be free. And then what? What's the first step? Uh, it was uh, the day I really said, if I don't get out from Saudi Arabia next year, I will kill myself. When my mom forced me to go to Mecca. Uh, when I did the photo of the Republic in Mecca. So she was trying to get you to become more pious Muslim. My mom, she noticed I am not really like all time. 
something uh-huh. changed, but she don't know really what happened. Uh-huh. I start to keep myself like from outside, like Muslim, but sometimes, I, you know, she, she can't feel something different. Uh-huh. So she forced me to go there. It was the most day I can't forget how it was really terrible uh-huh. day for me, how it was really my feeling, my emotion, everything. Yeah, I and I just want to just for uh, people who are not familiar, uh, there's a there's an iconic photo out there um, of uh, a, a, a notepad that says the words "Atheist Republic," and Atheist Republic is of course the organization that Armin, um, who was on, yeah. was on our, uh, our one of our hosts, founded, and uh, so it was actually Rana holding that picture in Mecca in front of the Kaaba with uh, the words "Atheist Republic" on it, and I remember when that came out, there were people who were furious. Um, yeah, they and uh, it was I, you know, it, it was it was really amazing. So, and, and then since then, you've been able to make it out from there, and we now know who you are. And at that time, I remember <laughs> I saw it, and I I didn't know who it was, and I was like, wow, this nice person, to meet you, Rana. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> like, this person that? really has some balls, you know. When I saw it, and then it turns, it's just it mm-hmm. was amazing. Metaphorically, but of uh, course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> metaphorically. Yeah. So, so, so tell us, Rana. I sent this photo to Arvin. <laughs> <laughs> you did, yeah, I know, and he showed it to the world. So it was um, Armin. Whenever you get the chance, I asked your permission before posting it because I was really scared of getting her into trouble. I was like, "Are you sure if you want me? Is is it okay for me to post this?" And she was, she was like, "Yes, please do." And I was like, and I shared it. And um, could you, could you put of, it on a screen share just for the people who are watching, the patrons who are watching? So, oh, you did? I okay. Did. I'm okay. going to do it again. Oh. Okay. Anyway, go on. Fessel, you were saying something? Yeah. 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 So, so I, have a, I have a question about your uh, your childhood. So did you, like, were your parents or, like, did you grow up, like, let's say from a scale of from uh, 1 to 10, 10 being ISIS, okay? And zero being cultural Muslim or ex-Muslim, etc. Where do you where do you put your childhood? Which from the spectrum, like how how religious were your parents and how religious was your environment? I was in the middle. Even when I was Muslim girl, I was thinking about this is wrong in the religion, but you know, I was afraid to think more. Like my uh, uh, the daughter for my uncle, she was 14 years and she get married in this when she was 14. I was there and I was Muslim and I said for myself, this, this is wrong. How how they do it, how they allowed it, how the Islam is said, it's okay, you know, but, but I don't know why I, I start thinking sometimes, but I was in the middle, you know, not really radical, not really. I don't care. No, I was crying. I, I was read Quran sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the schools in Saudi Arabia, do they teach the the Quran and the Hadith and all of the stuff? Like, do you have to memorize and uh, five books: uh, Quran, Hadith, Tawhid, Fiqh, Tajweed. Interesting. What is so? So we know we know what the Quran is. We know what the Hadith. Can you tell us about the three Allahs? What is what is Tajweed? What is what is Tajweed? When you want to read Quran, you make vo- your voice. It's like oh, like that, Zan, like that. Okay. Oh, you guys don't have that in Shia world. No, you don't no, have Tajweed? I, I, no. I understand what it is. I, I didn't know that there was like a, a lesson because I studied Quran in Iraq. Like we studied the Quran and the Hadith, but we never 
study tajweed as a subject like it's uh-huh. um so what are the others tajweed and what uh, and fast fuqah is what fuqah fuqah is uh, the rule from islam it's allowed for you to do that you are not allowed to do that what is the god say for uh, ramadan or for praying or for go to hajj or like the rule in islam Okay, and and in that in in Saudi Arabia they teach you the Wahhabi version, right? The Salafi Wahhabi version of like like can you? Because I don't think the audience are very familiar with these teachings. So, like, can you tell us about like tell tell us like what do they tell say about like homosexuals? Like, what do they what do they say about gays and women and? You don't you don't hear anything about homosexual or you don't hear anything about LGBT people. You only hear about Qaum Lut. It's meaning the people for Lut, they, they they was gay and the God, they kill all these people. And anyone be like them, it will be, they have to be killed. And what did they say about, what did they say about hijab? Like, did they, did they say it's a permissible or did they take, say it's, it's, I don't know, like, is it forced? Is it, do women have to wear it, or is it just like a choice? It have to wear it. In, in, in Saudi Arabia, how teach us, yes. We have to wear hijab. And um, they teach us when we was like uh, um, 10 or 11 years, how the God will be really love us, and how if we listen to this rule, and, you know, to grow up in, in Saudi school, it's something like you will be when you... Finished like really radical Muslim. Yeah, so 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 from age nine eleven, pun intended, um, <laughs> they uh, they teach you about like all this kind of let's say conservative, and then by the time you graduate, like by age seventeen or eighteen, you're already let's say radicalized. Um, and and you said about your family. Well, I have a question from Armin. Is is it was saying say about your brother? So tell us a story about you and your brother. He tried to kidnap you in Turkey, right? Uh, he tried to find you. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know. When I arrived to Germany, I talking with my sister by email, and she told me your, your brother go to Turkey after I ran away, and he spent like one week in Istanbul searching where I am. Amazing! Oh. Wow. Yeah. So, so that is after you escaped to Germany. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So, he, so you're he already. Yeah. So, he, what was he gonna do? Like, if he if he found you, was he just gonna force you to go back, or? I don't know. He will kill me to, oh, to gonna... see me without covering in the in in, uh, in the street, walking like this. He for would... my brother, it, I have to be killed. I bring shame to my family. So he would he would have. Like we're not just saying figuratively. You're saying literally. He would have killed you if he yeah. if he's if he saw you I that way. I think even I think he planning to come to Germany, but I don't know when or how or. And I tell the police about that. Yeah. Okay, good. So you do you have any contact with anybody in your family then, or they just cut you off? My interview in Dutch Villa in Arabic. I they see this interview and they know now I am a face. And you can say to decide to talking in Arabic language about I am atheist, I am ex-Muslim. It's meaning to cut the relationship with my family. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Are you safe right now? Are you are you are you afraid of anybody trying to come and find you uh, or harm you? Um, I'm not really afraid because I am not afraid to die. I am afraid to die before I complete the message I want to send it to the world. Before I complete what I want to do, but I don't afraid to die. If you can summarize your message in a few sentences, what is this? What is your message to the world? Well, Rana's writing a book, right? Yeah, I write a book. It will publish in 2018. The first, it will be in German. Then we have English. And I don't know if we translate it to another language. So in the book, you're going to find your message? Yeah. I, I write really deep details in my book, like how I grew up, uh, all my life, the all change, the freedom life, everything, it will be in the book. Mm. And I hope all the girls can read my book. My, my message, it's really simple. It's like I want to say for all women or even for men, you can change your life when you really want that. When you're not afraid to go to your freedom, when you're not afraid to lose anything, when you're not afraid to be like someone else. Mm -hmm. Rana, I have a question because I have a lot of women from Saudi Arabia that contact me all the time. Yeah. And it's different. Like if I have a woman contact me in Canada or America or somewhere in a, in a secular country, I can offer them support and I can give them some ideas. But when a woman is from Saudi Arabia, I don't know what to say. Like, how how are you able to leave Saudi Arabia and go to Turkey? You need to have your father's permission, correct? Like an exit visa? Also, also they contact me in my Twitter account. I, I, I get some message from Saudi girl. I give them advice. There is something they can do it to get out from there. Okay. I can, I can see it on, I can say that online. I can... Let the government know. I keep it okay. like only with. Okay, that, that's okay. that's actually very that's, that's very helpful. But do you have a, information? And yeah, do you have? Uh, um, so it, I also get a lot of emails like this from people, especially. I, I get a lot of emails from LGBT people in in Saudi Arabia, um, just yeah. you know, gay, lesbian, um, trans people in Saudi Arabia, and they. Uh, and I, it's kind of heartbreaking because this, I don't really know what to do with them, what to do so what, for them. And so what's your I, Twitter account? Yeah. Or, or is there uh, an email? Rana Ahmad. You can find it, Rana Ahmad. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is it, uh, uh, do you also have an email or something that that we can yeah, post or something? Yeah, I have my email. Where... I, will, I will send it now. Okay. That's, that's great. So it, if we can post that, you know, people who, uh, that's, I guess, somebody, um, if when we get emails like that, it, is it okay if we refer them to you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So how can you be sure that, well, I guess it doesn't matter because you're safe in Germany because a lot of people are usually scared of who they speak to on Twitter because it might, you don't know who they are, right? Like it might be somebody, the Matawa or something trying to catch you, mm. but I guess you just... Uh, do you have to be careful who you give this information to? Do you do you make sure that the person is somebody honest first? Um, I give like in general, and when I know you know you know this person if he really want to get information or if he really need help. 
Right. Can you can feel it from the question when he asked? And when I I I, I think this person he only want know want to know how the girl get out from there. I said, okay, you can search or you can do that in yourself. So. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. even here in Germany, I get contact for the girl running away here in Germany. And when they ask help, you know, I can I can say or I can't. I help like as much as I can. And I want to send a message from here. My home, my friend, my everything, I can do it. It's open for all Saudi girls. I can help. Oh, wow. That's you're gonna have a lot of messages in your inbox. <laughs> you have no idea how helpful that is. I can't even tell you how many messages I've gotten, um, yeah. how many emails I've for, gotten from people me, in Saudi Arabia. I live in Saudi Arabia. I know how they are suffering there. I know how we really need someone to care or to help or to support. So, mm -hmm. I I, mm -hmm. I wanted to uh, just while Rana's here. Um, I had, uh, I actually, in, in my book, I covered some of the Saudi textbooks that they had. This is after 9-11 that the U.S. actually asked um, Saudi Arabia to reform some of its textbooks because of some of the things that were in there. But even after the reform, some of this leaked out. So I just wanted to read some of the things that are there um, just to have you kind of comment on it. So the Freedom House released, found some of these books, and I saw them in Arabic. And it said in, uh, for first graders, it said there was a fill in the blank question uh, in the textbook that said every religion other than Islam is uh, false and whoever dies outside of Islam, outside of Islam enters hellfire. And then there was a fifth grade textbook that said it is forbidden for a Muslim to be a loyal friend to someone who does not believe in God and his prophet or someone who fights the religion of Islam. And it also said uh, a Muslim, even if he lives far away, is your brother in religion. Someone who opposes God, even if he is your brother by family tie, is your enemy in religion. And this was taught to fifth graders. Um, and I, I just wanted to kind of like th this is something that they were taught in school and they actually even had to uh, memorize in some cases. And this just shows sort of the gravity of uh the the situation there and, and what a lot of kids are going up with is that similar to some of the things that you were taught as well uh in saudi arabia they teach you there everyone he don't believe in god he is really bad person yeah and yeah so you don't yeah. have to be friends with this person and the funny thing i really i want to get copy from the book they they write like really describe how you have to behavior when you know this person he leave Islam. The first, mm -hmm. if he married or she married, they have to be divorced. Then the children they have to take from them. Then you have to take this money, like if I, uh, they have flat or car or money in the bank, you allowed to take it. Then you ask him like three times to back to Islam. It, if he said no. You can't kill him. Yeah, th this is this is the thing. Like this is, I I uh, saw this. So I have a lot of. I got a hold of some of these textbooks, and I was looking at them, and it's actually stunning. This is what kids are thought taught from the first grade onwards, all the way to twelfth grade. So this is the attitude they have towards people who have left Islam. So the risk that somebody like Rana takes in a country like that, I mean, it is. Um, 
it, it truly is a death sentence, and that's not an exaggeration by any means. It's really not easy to be ex-Muslim in Saudi Arabia, and you mm. one day if the, someone know you are leaving Islam, it's you know I I live like five years like Muslim, but I I was atheist. I was a dream. They discover I am atheist. I was like say. Now they will come to kill me. My family, no. Someone from Saudi Arabia government, no. I was completely afraid all my life there. It was when I was ex-Muslim. I get really afraid feeling until my stomach affects with that. Mm -hmm. So did you have people, other atheist friends that you could communicate with? Or were you just dealing with that all by yourself? No, you have to know something that even if we if we have like friend in Twitter, you can really know who this person, the name or the address, or you can even hear the voice because they are really afraid, and mm-hmm. they have to be afraid because if, if we think maybe Saudi Arabia bought some account only to catch us. Yeah, and we was really afraid to say who I am or who, where I live or all these details. I know only my friend from the tweet, from replay the tweet. All right, so Faisal has a question, but just before he asks it, I just want to mention to you, Ali, everything that you said. I learned that in Canada too, that oh, because really? our yeah, because our school, our Islamic school, was funded by Saudi Arabia. So every none of that was surprising to me. I was like waiting for the shocking part. <laughs> I know. I, I read so. about that. That's uh, that, that's a thing. I had heard about that, and I'd heard about that with textbooks in the U.S. and also in in mm-hmm. some of these private sort of yeah. very conservative Islamic schools. But mm-hmm. it's just when I whenever you hear about it in person, it 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 just it's just stunning. Yeah. Um, the difference is, I I'm in a, I mm-hmm. can get out. Like if once I leave my house. I'm in a secular country, but Rana, once she gets away from her house and her family, she's still it, the whole country is against like her, that, right? So like that, obviously, yeah. it's a much more difficult situation. Anyway, yeah, sorry, and, and I can relate to that in a bit because I grew up in a Muslim dominated country, right? And in Iraq, it's like militias. The only difference I think in Iraq is that everything is handled by militias, not the government. So, and I think in Saudi, it's probably more strict because the government has actual control while in iraq we hardly have a government so that's kind of a benefit right and it also left is also left to the militias so mm. it's i mean i'm i'm very glad by the way rana you are a hero i you are. Uh, oh, absolutely agree this, this is a, this one of the most you're, inspirational you're the things of, actually like so brave i mean my question maybe i mean maybe it's too early to ask it but uh so how long how long you have been living in the west so far how many years? How many months? One year and two months. Okay, one year and two months. What do you think of? So you live in Germany and you're surrounded by many Germans, I assume. What do you think about what they think about Islam? Oh, good question. I want to hear this. You come from strictly conservative family, strictly conservative country, society, whatever you want to call it. You move to the West, and. What do you think, yeah, the Germans, the people around you, what do they say about Islam and do you agree or disagree with it? Um, you can say in general, they think this is religion like another religion. It's mm-hmm. like really normal people, like they are really friendly, they will not hear us. So 
But now the German start to change and they know there is some Muslim that are really dangerous in this society. We have to take care. Uh, you know what happened in Berlin. Yeah. You know what happened before in Colonia. So they start to think, no, they don't like what we are thinking for this people. And if you want to talking about Islam in general, you have to be careful here in Europe because they will say you are racist. Yeah, we deal with yeah. that here so, too. So, so when you tell them that in like Saudi Arabia, this is what Islam is, and they call you a racist, they think that you are being... No, no, when you're talking about the Islam in the Middle East, they know, they see that, and they know that here in Germany. So no one said anything for you. I think we have here a free speech, and uh, you know, I get the threats, uh, before one week or two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I make like interviews, ex-Muslim Deutschland, ex-Muslim Germany, and I said I am athe I am atheist, I am ex-Muslim, and I want in our society to have freedom for religion or free speech or this. And when I go to the police, I told her we are in free country and I can say who I am or I can say my opinion. And the police said, yes, it's your rights. Mm -hmm. And I respect Germany a lot for what I hear from the police. I have a question, for just a follow-up question. Uh, so, so Germany has a very significant Kurdish and Turkish Muslims and also now Syrian refugees coming up. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that some of these newcomers or some of the refugees, the Muslim refugees in particular, do you think that some of them pose a threat to your life? Uh, I have like 10 screenshots from death threats I get from people live here in Germany. Oh. In my city, in another city near to my city, and from Berlin, from all the German city. And I make like screenshot for the Facebook. I make screenshot to the death threats I get and I give it to the police. And is the police capturing them? Are they are they being tough on They they start to work with that because I tell the police I will talking in the media about what happened to me and it's important to let these people understand we are in the in the country with law. If you mm -hmm. do something, the police will find you and catch you. You are not free like in the Middle East or Muslim society to do what you want and to hear atheist or ex-Muslim like what you did in our country. They kill us. They uh, make us suffering in our life. They don't. They don't stop. Uh, let us live like who I am. So here in Germany, I will not be silent. If I know anyone here hurts. Atheist or ex-Muslim, I will do something. So, uh, one of the, yeah, I, I, <laughs> like just this whole thing's amazing. I, so I had a question. Just the, you know, the whole controversy that's going on in Germany about uh, refugees and you know people who are f fleeing persecution. I guess many of them are, are people like you, right? Who have, uh, you know, who are under. I guess ISIS control under even you know in other countries that have Islamist governments and they're running away from them many of them are women many of them you know all kinds of people um what do you think about the whole refugee crisis do you think it's you know because on on one hand um well it, could you just comment on that what do you, what's your view on um the whole idea of allowing uh, refugees. I was 
I want to mention about I have Muslim friend in my school, my German school. I have refugee Muslim friend. They know I am a face. They know I am ex-Muslim and they know I am talking in the media and they don't care about that and they respect me like who I am and I respect these people and we make joke, we, we be laughing, we do it like something with each other but the people, I, I see the death threat from them, I know you can see like 80% or 70% from refugee, like they think like this way but some of them, they can't write for me that threats or they can't do something for me. Some of them know they only hit me, but they can't do anything because they know here the law, they not be silent with you. Just to clarify, the 70 to 80 percent, those are the people that are like your Muslim friends in school or those are the people that are sending you the death threats? Yeah. yeah. So, so what you're saying is that 70 to 80 percent, I mean, obviously these statistics may not be accurate, but but it's a significant amount of people coming from Muslim countries who are closeted Islamists, right? It's like they are extremists, but they don't show their extremist yeah. face. Yeah. And they I keep tell, it under I the table. The women, I tell the police women, these yeah. people, they don't use to hear us like ex-Muslim in the Muslim society. I tell the police women, if, they, if I am like in Saudi Arabia or if I am in the Muslim society in the Middle East and I, I say I am atheist, I will be killed. But because here they have to hear us and they have to be silent, it's a new for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I have a question. I got, so now you know what's going on with here here with uh, Donald Trump and his whole ban on refugees and everything. So the the problem is if he if he does ban the refugees, I guess you're in a unique situation because you have gotten death threats from like you're saying about 70 80%. I don't and I don't like what he did. Yeah, but but I guess it, I no, that's fine. We're on the same page when it comes to that. But I had my question is, I guess that you know you have these people who are sending you death threats, who are refugees. But at the same time, you're also a person. There's many refugees like you who have come here, and you, your lives have been saved. You know, you've come uh, to the West, and you have gained freedom, and and you can openly now speak against all of those oppressive systems. And we need your voices here too. So how do you strike a balance? How do you, what, what do you think? I guess this may be too much of a, a question to ask. And I, I don't know if, if you'd even be able to have a proper answer for this at this point. Everybody else is trying to figure it out. But uh, what, what, what do you do when you have situations like, we have to have people like you here, but at the same time, you know, there are all these other uh, the people that are sending you death threats that you don't want here. So in your view, what do you think should be done about that? Like how how should people approach it here in the West? Uh, first, this people to be a liberary person, not to not allow them to enter the country. For me, the solution is to, to make this people like really humanity people or like secular people. Uh, what's the point if you said you're not allowed to enter our country and he back to them country and be barred from ISIS or be barred from Muslim militia? You know, in, in my school, our teacher, he know that, that almost all the students, they are Muslim. That he know I am atheist. When he start teach us, he teach us all things, all details. He teach us about LGBT people. Mm-hmm. And he give us like this, it's like this in Germany, and you can see this, like Lusivian or gay or all this world. And the student was like, 
They mm. can't say anything. <laughs> they want yeah. only what the teacher said. They know they have to learn that. I, they, yeah. they can't do anything. They know they have to be like really liberal. And I respect our teacher really. He even teach us about female and male sexuality. What's called this area in German, you know? Mm. I, I, I read that. Yeah, I, oh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I actually read about in, in Norway, what they do is when they have new refugees, um, they actually do train them about what the yeah. laws are here, you know, how we treat women, how we treat uh, the LGBT community, how we deal with minorities. And uh, they have programs for refugees that have been, that have showed like, a, a, you know, a good amount of success. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great answer. Right? And I think that that's Just something a quick, well, question. Before Armin, I mean, I mean, I know this is, sounds like a very loaded question, and I and I and I don't blame you if you don't answer it, so you don't have yeah, to answer is, it. We're giving but, all these really uh, heavy, hard questions. We want you to solve all of the problems of the world yeah, for yeah. us. Yeah, but but so so I'm a refugee as yeah. well. Okay, so I'm I'm a refugee, and I have seen. So I'm obviously in favor of accepting refugees who are like us and everything, and and people like Rana are amazing source for the humanity. So, so for example, like I was walking just uh, two days ago, and there was like a guy talking about killing gays. So I was I was at the at the restaurant having halal chicken, and then like there was uh, there was a guy literally talking about that. Like he saw two gays walking, and he said, "Oh, look at this Lord, Let's go kill them. Like let's let's kill them. Something of that sort." So Rana, like for you as someone who is also a refugee. And so there are some people within this society, within Germany, USA, Canada, whatever, who think that those of us who are ex-Muslims, atheists, deserve to be killed or should be killed. Do you think that these people should be deported from the United States? I don't Do you think, get your question, Faisal. Do you think that people who believe that atheists and gays and women who don't wear a headscarf should be killed? Do you think that these people should be deported from the West? Like, should we send them back home? Should we send or are them they back? Should we like stay? send them to like I don't know jail or just deport them from the country? No. Because they, no, no. So you you accept you accept that your neighbor is okay with killing you? Uh, for me, Faisal, we are like a human. We hit something. We don't understand what this thing. We hit something. We don't know it. We are afraid from something. We don't know it. If they know us, like in the Muslim society, if they know Rana, like atheists, and I am neighborhood for them, and I am community with them, they will not be afraid from atheists. But because yeah. they don't, yeah. they don't live with us. They don't see us. They don't see us like a really human people. Yeah. They mm -hmm. don't see us like who Rana, who Faisal, who Armin, who Ali. Yeah. They don't know are like make joke we are laughing sometimes mm. we drinking sometimes dancing they don't know they only afraid from this idea but they don't know who i who we are yeah so i it's sort of like uh what you're in, in a way kind of what you're saying is that for these people they they need once they're exposed to you know they just hear atheist atheist the idea yeah. and they think it's terrible but when they actually see a person who's a normal person yeah. they, this is how it and happened, this what uh, happened to me and this is what happened to me you know in my class they know i am atheist 
but they don't care because they they contact with me before they know. After when they know, it's okay. We we know Rana. She is our friend. We don't care about her, yeah, her yeah, yeah. religion or what she think or yeah. This is how like this is how it happened with the LGBT community as well. Like in the like when you had a lot of these TV shows uh, that came up. Uh, Ali's a talker. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Oh, this, there's all of this stuff going on. It's crazy. I, okay, I'll, I'll hold my comment for a little bit later. I know Armin's been waiting for, for a question. Yes, so. So just, just to summarize your view, <laughs> is you're saying is that Muslims are criminals and rapists, but you assume some of them are good people, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So Armin, yeah. Armin, Armin please, topic. please. Yeah, we'll, we'll be yeah, quiet yeah, now. He has, been, he has been horny for like 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. So when you were when you were still back there, back at, back at Saudi Arabia, you were trying to get out and we started, um, we started a GoFundMe page for you, right? And then you got a lot of support people were when the picture went viral we used the picture to get support for you and a lot of people started donating and then richard Dawkins started tweeting to the gofundme page uh and that I got a lot of attention in london. I will <gasps> oh my god you're gonna go to london i'm gonna be there yeah, i will hug you hello <laughs> hello Akbar. see you I'm in london shirt while i'm there <laughs> and yeah and then and then Imtiaz Shams, you know Imtiaz Shams uh, from, uh, what is his organization called? Faith to Faithless, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, he came and he he did a documentary on you. He, you were covered on Vice documentary. Uh, and then that got you a lot of more support. Um, um, and, and now that you're there, you're being invited by the ex-Muslims and you're going to go to the conference in London and your book is being published. Uh, my question is, were you surprised by the amount of support uh, that the atheist community were giving you because a lot of people think that the atheist community is not really shouldn't be a community because we're going to become too much like a religion right if we get together and unite and work on projects like this together but but you saw that what we can achieve when the atheist community gets together and try to support you were you surprised by it what was what are, what are your thoughts about um, you know, the the amount of support and the amount of, um, you know, people that reached out to you. And also, by the way, also ex-Muslims of North America really heavily promoted the GoFundMe page as well. So uh, shout out to them as well. And to anybody that saw your message and donated, shout out to all of them. But let me know what you think about all that. It's important to have atheist organization and community. It's important to say I am atheist and I support another atheist and I support all human in the end. But uh, because when we're talking in the media or when we're talking like for our friend, you we say I am ex-Muslim or I am ex-Christian, but you don't say I am atheist. This word it's important because it means we are here. It's mean we said to the world, we are here, we are exist, we are not only a myth. I don't know. I, I get support from atheist community, and I think I am really lucky. I know Amtiaz from ex-Muslim Britain, and I know Mariam Namazi, I know you, Armin, and um, I know even Muhammad from ex-Muslim uh, America. I talked one time with him. Uh, you feel you have really family. You are not alone when you when you be contact with another organization, ask help or support or something like this. 
um, it's something really hurt from inside if you are get out or run away from your country and if you're your family and you don't find anyone. Yeah, so so what do you think should improve? Like, what, what, so you look at the atheist Muslim community, atheist community, what do you think that the atheist movement should do more to help more people like you? Um... Now uh, in Germany, I, I am members from Giordano Bruno Stufto. It's Germany organization for atheists. Uh, we start now to building something in you can help atheists by money. Okay. For me, when I was in Saudi, when I was in Turkey, the more important for me it's money because there is in Turkey no support from the government. There is nothing, and I was only I have two hundred two hundred dollars. It's not enough. So we will start now here in Germany to building something you can support by money. Another atheist, and we are send it to another atheist to help themselves by traveling maybe or by. Yeah. Flat or by I don't know how. Yeah, as they say in Arabic, المال بالغربة وطن, صحيح? Like the the money, uh, when you have money, when you're outside your country, it's like you have a new country. That's kind of it's an Arab proverb. Uh, so so you're you're saying of uh, so what is the name of the organization you're talking about? What is the name of the organization? Uh, the the one I am with them. Yeah. Is Jordano Bruno Stufto. Okay. It's only in Germany, though. Yeah, and can you can you send that to uh, can you send that to Armin so we can uh, try and get their name out as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. So let's talk about policy. I mean, I'm I'm very much interested in policy, and like my organization is focused on policy. Um, so the countries that we come from, you come, Ali come from Pakistan, Armin come from Iran, Yas come from Egypt, Palestine slash hell Norway um, <laughs> and uh, you come from Saudi Arabia and Syria okay what do you think the West can do to change to make our countries more secular or what can we do to make our countries more secular uh, <laughs> the pressure's <laughs> on the people they will not like my answer no tell me no you're, it's a free country you are in New York <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know the all the all president and all the world they know uh, there is no human rights in Saudi Arabia, and they know we are suffering there, and they know like Raif Badawi how many years he in the jail and nothing happened to him. Uh, for me, I know there is like oil, there is money, only this what the president and the government care about it. But like us, like a human, I don't know someone who will care. Like the really like, I talking like if the country like Germany or like Netherlands or like France will stop uh, deal with Saudi Arabia until they will be really like a secular uh, society or they have human rights. It's only in my dream, you know. No one can stop contact with Saudi Arabia or no one can stop. Even in Emirates, there is something not really good for us, but no one talking. So, so what your so one of your first suggestions is that the West should cut its relationship with Saudi Arabia, or pressure pressure Saudi Arabia to become more 
لقطر ان امارات يا يا ان 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 العراق ان ايجيب ان all the all the country in middle east they really need some much have power to force this society to be really more humanity we have and to be having human rights and to be like really society you can live in because there's no reason for them to change right now everything is fine that there has to be some sort of push and if there's a push from their allies from their western allies saying okay this is going to affect our relationship if your human rights if the way you treat your citizens doesn't improve then they might consider changing it but if they just have people in their country speaking up well they'll just kill those people or put them in jail like they are doing with Raif they're not going to care yeah also uh, sorry if i'm although i want to ask you questions here but like for okay that's another question i mean you don't need to have have a clear answer to it so i'm not pressuring you but um So one of the arguments I've heard, so I, I work in policy and I go meet up with government officials from time to time and stuff. And they, I, I've heard this argument a lot about Syria, which is the country that you originally come from, that they say that Bashar al-Assad is secular. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with this? Do you, do you think, because I grew up under the Ba'ath dictatorship. I grew up under Saddam. So I understand the argument. But can you tell us, Do you think that Assad is secular or not? Not. So why 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 is why don't you think he's secular? I I don't know if you know something about Kurdish people in Syria. I know. Yeah, yeah. I I I assume some of them are good people. Yeah, before <laughs> the war, they this people they not allowed to speak in them language. They not allowed to speak Kurdish and they yes. don't have idea. The really simple thing in the life idea yeah like ide- identification card like id card yeah, yeah. Mm. so this only simple thing i can give it about this politician or yeah but but that but that's so but, but i mean ataturk for example who is the founder of turkey was also anti-kurd but he was also secular right he was a he was a turkish nationalist so what you're saying is that assad is just an arab national but do you think do you think that assad is pro secularism do you think that he supports uh kind of reforms when it comes to freedom of religion uh like practicing atheism or eating babies once a week like what is like what is like what is the is is like assad as a regime is it prone to secularism Uh, I will say something about Bashar. If he not killed Syrian people, he allowed other people to kill Syrian people. He don't save Syria, and he don't get out from the government, and he don't really do something. If he really secular, or if he really humanity person, or or if he really good person, he can do something for the Syrian people. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that there is any group? Sorry if, I, if I'm like asking too much political questions. No, but, go on. But go these on. are questions that go a lot within the media and within the. So, do you think that there is any group in Syria that believes in human rights and secularism? Like any opposition group? Any? I mean, I know there is this woman no, that's a called. Good question. Yeah. Uh, 
I think in Nahas, her last name is Nahas, but uh, but like, I, I don't know if you know them, but do you, do you have any Syrian group that you think the West should support in Syria as a, as a counter to extremism and a counter to the Ba'ath regime? I don't like to talk about politician thing, but... I mean, you don't have to answer, but like if you have, because that is one of the most common questions asked about Syria, is that we have Assad on one side, and we have Jabhat al-Nusra on the other side, right? So, what are where are the good guys? Where are the Rana? Where are the Rana of Syria? Like, are, is there a group that Rana like? I will be the president. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Rana. So, just to go back, I think yeah, that's a. I guess that's a really tough question. I wish there was like a secular party that had enough clout to be able to have that support. But I had, um, I, I wanted to get back to the whole idea of atheism and being an atheist. Um, so you you talked about how much you like Richard Dawkins. And this is something I noticed. And I wrote about it in my book as well, that, you know, when I talk to people here, ex-Muslims in the West, they want to have a more respectful dialogue and they don't really like Richard Dawkins. But when I hear from people in Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Bangladesh and Pakistan, they they love Richard Dawkins. They love Bill Maher. They love like all of the really aggressive, like the people who say it like it is. And um, I, I, I've heard, or at least like from what I hear from them, it seems that they feel like the being respectful and having that kind of dialogue is a luxury of people who have free speech and so on. So I, I just wanted to say like the among the people that you know who are also in Saudi Arabia and who have left Islam or who are ex-Muslims, um, are these figures like like Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, and are they do they have a lot of popularity? You know, from the Twitter or from the media, Richard Dawkins really, and I think, yeah, Richard Dawkins, the most one really be famous for us, like Arab atheist, because mm-hmm. his book, because Basham al Baghdadi translates this book to Arabic. Yeah. So yeah, and. For for anyone be like leaving Islam, this is the first book he read it or she read it. It's like the first thing you touch it from atheist world. Yeah. His book. So. Mm. And and who are some of the other people that uh, I, I guess uh, people over there um, find inspiration? Like for you, it was uh, Arab atheist on on Twitter. Um, who who are some of the other figures that you know you would recommend? Uh, people would look to um, if they wanted to, like especially in the Arab world or people who are questioning, um, you know, who, who who should they, who do you think they should go to? I really, I don't have name now or... All of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. apart from us, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the secular yeah, jihadists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because for me, to search about person or to search about page, I only search about information when I was there. Mm-hmm. I only want knowledge. I only want to know more and more and more about a first world. Right, right, yeah. So I have a question, which is kind of related. Um, is that if, if, if you, like let's say, we want to turn the people in Saudi Arabia and Syria and Iraq to be more like you, okay? Let's say I have a translation. I have a translation company. Do you think that I should translate books written by Dawkins 
or do you think I should make people within the Arab world write books and I popularize it? What do you think is the more uh, effective way of doing this? Like the Western books or the Eastern books? Like for you growing up, like did you read people like for me, like because my parents are liberal, so I was introduced to the Arab liberal mindset when I was a young young child. So I'm obviously biased, okay? But I want to know from somebody who, who, who left Islam, who became secular, became liberal, what are the most influential books that came to your head? Was it the data bar by Western people or was it the writers from the local language? For me, I will start with West. A uh, book, but I will complete with the uh, people have experience like ex-Muslim and they make made book. I will read it also. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's so both. a combination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a language thing too, Faisal. I guess Rana speaks English, and so she was on Twitter and she was reading and and listening to the Arab atheist. But I guess people in that don't speak English, they wouldn't have access to those things. So it's it's a good thing that there's the Arab liberal books for them. I also think Rana just was interested in the science science aspect of it at first, like it's through mm-hmm. alternative ways of looking at the universe. And like, uh, and I think th- when it comes to science, uh, the West or the East, nobody has a monopoly over science, right? So I think well. that's something that is... <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. But, yeah, I did. Conditions yeah. Apply. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Rana, were you shocked when you discovered that the Earth is 7,000 years old? <laughs> <laughs> and that it's not flat and on a whale's back because <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's what we learn right so yeah, yeah. they do the west has a monopoly on science of somewhat <laughs> so i was looking at uh, some of your pictures from the early days when you were leaving um from the picture you took from the plane that you say the flight to freedom. And then when you got into the hotel, you took a picture of the wine, I think, and you posted that on Facebook. So what were your feelings initially when you got out? Like, how did your lifestyle change? How did your experience change? What was the feelings that you were, um, and how did, did you get used to it? What were some of the challenges? Uh, what are some of the things that you noticed was completely different from when you were back in Saudi Arabia and you were some of the things that you expected, some of the things that you didn't expect? Yeah, can you share some of those early days? Do you like bacon is what we want to know. Do you like bacon? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just one of the... Uh, anyway, go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, for me, first week or first two weeks, it was like I am dreaming. I can't believe this. It's really life for me. It was like I wake up every day. I will sit now. I wake wake up in my bed in the Saudi Arabia. I yeah. I can't believe my mind can't believe. I really here in this life. I I did it. I am out. I am now free. So did you have a time when you felt scared or lonely or regretful or anything like that? Yeah, sure, but uh, but. Even with all my bad time outside, it's better than one day in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Wow. Totally agree. Yeah. That's so, a so beautiful quote. That, that's actually very... Do you, do you remember the moments? I, I remember very well the moment when I landed to the United States. I flew, I flew from Malaysia to the United States. The flight took about 20 hours. 
and I landed in Los Angeles in March 12, 2013. I remember that day very well. Do you remember your first day when you landed in Germany or you arrived to Germany? On your boat. On your boat. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't arrive like normal people, yeah. airplane or something. There are two types of people. There are normal people and there are Shias. But for you, uh, but for you, so you, you came to the boat and you arrived to, you arrived to Germany from Turkey directly. Mm-hmm. And so how is it like when, when you are on the boat to Germany? First of all, how was the boat experience? Was it like five stars? Was it like Hilton? Or... The, or was it <laughs> no like how was your boat experience and how, how was like the arriving to Germany like how was the police to you did they treat you well did they shout at you like because we hear lots of stories about mm-hmm. racism by the Hungarians against Syrians racism by the Germans uh, Germany it's really a, it's really a humanity country I want to say something. The people think, uh, think Sweden, they are really most humanity country in the Europe. I want to correct this information and I want to say Germany, the most humanity country in Europe. Interesting. How much are they paying you to say this? Because, <laughs> no, you, you know, we, uh, get, we all get our paychecks from the Jews and the Zionists yeah. and, uh, and yeah. CIA yeah. and so all that. Yeah, yeah, you are the first person I know who gets paid by the Germans. Yeah, I know. Time. The Germans, that's good. We should look into that. We should look into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's good It's good that you're not pay, be getting paid in the 40s, by the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So you went to a refugee camp then, Rana? Is that where you went first? Yeah, uh, first day we go to camp and they was cooking food really fresh for us. And the police border there, they give like the food for us. They was really kind. They give us also blanket and they give us some tea. And I can feel they are really humanity, not like what I hear about German people. It was different mm-hmm. completely. Oh, that's wonderful. And how long how long have you stayed in a camp? Seven months. Uh, until my friend from this organization contacted me and he said I have flat. We can we you can rent it and the government will pay for you. And he helped me and he go with me to all this government office. They speak only German. Yeah. So so you arrived to Germany. You, they put you in a camp. Did they give you like a refugee card? Like, did they give you a refugee ID, like what I had? My first, they give me they give me paper like they start my process. Okay. Paper with my photo, my really name, all information, and they put me in the camp with Muslim people. And one day, <laughs> there is. One, he bought Quran every day in high voice. Mm. And I be silent one day, two days, three days, four days. I can't. I really, I can't. I draw Quran in the picture and I write back to your Quran. <laughs> wow. Yes. In his room and then I run away. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love this girl. This person, he go to the manager there, and this woman, she know I am a test, and she called me first one. <laughs> Rana, you did that. Are you the troublemaker, Rana? <laughs> <laughs> the 
Okay, she told me, please, please, next time, anything you need, come to us. They're really afraid from the Muslim society. They're really afraid from them. So she said, please, Rana, anyone, <laughs> anything, anytime, come to us. We can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh Rana, are you are you in touch with anybody? Um, and well, I guess that not necessarily in your family, but any friends or people in Saudi Arabia who used to think like you that you knew, or did you know anybody in Saudi Arabia uh, who also was an atheist or who was also questioning? And um, are you in communication with? Them? I mean, you don't, you may not be able to answer this, obviously, but um, did, were there other people like you there that you had communicated with? I have a friend, we contact sometimes by Twitter, but not you. you I can't say really friend, you know. Mm. I, I told you about the situation, how you be afraid to be friends really with someone from Twitter. Yeah. So yeah. I, I only have friends outside from uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, so you didn't know anybody, you didn't know another atheist. For three years, you were an atheist in Saudi Arabia. And five. you never, five years, wow. And you never met another atheist in Saudi Arabia face to face. Never. That must have been so difficult. Well, I mean, yeah. you know what's funny is that I, I that I get messages from so many people who are atheists in Saudi Arabia. And they don't they don't know anybody else. They don't know each other. Like they have, yeah. they're all kind of on their own, and they they're too. They can't speak to anybody else about it. You can't find anybody else because once you admit that you're an atheist, you know, you're automatically uh, risking things. Um, yeah, yeah, so you they, play in your life. Yeah, when yeah, you it's, it's, friend with someone from Twitter, you play in your life, maybe yeah. from the government. Mm -hmm. Yes, so just, just a, just a follow-up. So you now, you now have a, your, your asylum request in Germany got accepted, right? Yeah, I have three years visa now. Congratulations. Great. Thank you. Mabruk. Uh, Mabruk. <laughs> and was... Was the fact that you are an ex-Muslim helped you in your asylum case? Uh, you know, if you don't help yourself, no one will help you. If you stay silent and suffering and crying, nothing will change. But if you contact other people and you ask help and you try to change your situation, something will happen. Um, I stay in the camp like three months and I contact four months and I contact Mariam Namazi, an ex-Muslim Britain, and I told her, please, Mariam, I am suffering here in the camp with Muslim people. I need way to get out. And she told me you can't contact women. She called Mina Ahadi. She has organization here in Germany, ex-Muslim Germany or Centrala ex-Muslim Deutschland. Yeah. Um, she she contacted me and she said we will make like speech for you and she get me to the lawyer and she pay for this lawyer and after my speech I get this flat where I am now you know because in the end of my speech I said I am leaving with the people I run from them in Saudi Arabia or from the Muslim yeah. society so my speech it was really strong and it was like ask help it was like yeah. No, Mariam's amazing. So you live, you live, uh, you live in Cologne now. You live in Cologne, Germany. Isn't that where the case of mass rape happened or mass harassment happened of women in New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, yeah. Were you were you in Cologne when the the mass rape on women happened? I was filming with Voice News. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I mean you got help. I mean, Bill O'Reilly said, uh, "God helps those who help themselves." So I'm glad that you. <laughs> well, I guess God is helping all of us. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, so God so helps. Rana, how did you find? How did you find all this help? Like, what do you? What is your? Do you think your your case was different from other people because of all the attention that your picture got, or most people are going to get ignored if they if they want help? Uh, I I have uh, my character. It's like I have sm- small hope every time. You know, when I want to do something or when I want to go to do something, if someone not answer, I call another one and another person and another organization and I do that and that and that until I get what I want. So some other people, maybe they contact you, Armin, for one time and you don't answer. And they will say, Atheos Republic, they don't help us. They only mm-hmm. help Brenna. Or mm-hmm. they don't help us. They only help Brenna. But if you ask one time, two times, three times, not only you, not only Faisal, not only Rana, not only Ali, you ask all of us, you will get help for sure. I've I've met a few um, Saudi Arabian women that have left, got out of Saudi Arabia and are seeking asylum in the States. And you know what it's like for a a woman in Saudi Arabia, right? You, You have so much help and support a lot of you know some families more than others but you know the woman doesn't have to drive she doesn't have to cook for herself she she doesn't clean everything is taken care of i lived in in qatar for seven years and i had very privileged students i've grown women that had never washed their own hair grown men that had never shaved their own face because they always had somebody to do something for them right they always had their nannies grown people so I did meet some people that had left Saudi Arabia, left that life, and then they came to America. And of course, I'm sure it's similar in Germany. You were living in a refugee camp. You were suffering. You were struggling. We saw what you were like when you were in Turkey. I mean, Imtiaz was saying he was scared that you were feeling suicidal at that time. It's, It's a very, I think... We're talking about very positive things here today, but it's important to remember how how courageous you have to be, how brave you have to be, how strong you have to be to get through all of that. Even though you had support, the support didn't come looking for you. Like you went looking for that support and you had to internally too, like it was not just it's you're losing touch with your family, with everything that you've ever known, your language, the food, the culture, everything is different. So I just want to say like, I'm really, really honored and proud that you are our first guest and that we really, really appreciate it. And I know that you're going to be an inspiration to so many women and to so many people out there who will want to leave their homes and will want to get out of their, their Muslim communities. But I just want to, you know, get your feedback about like, it's not, it's not an easy thing though. Right. Like there's a lot of work. I want to say something important. You remind me to, to say it for all the girls you want to run away or any, even man, you want to change the life or be free or they really have to be sure about this decision. 
they really have to be sure yeah. I will lose my family, I will lose my friend, I will lose my country, I will lose my home. I am sure I want to do that. I am sure I will be really free in another country. It's important to be sure. It's important to be, this is what I want. This is what I am. This is what I will do. So mm. if you are sure, when you get out from there, and when you have like a new life, even difficult life in the camp and um, life, maybe sometimes you don't eat, sometimes you feel really, I will kill myself, I can't hold myself anymore, but I am choose to come here. I'm choose to be free. I want to test the freedom. I want to test the something. I dream about it five years, you know? I was sometimes not really perfect, not really strong. Sometimes I was weak, but I know in the end I will get what I want. I start my German language now, and I want to study in university. In university here, I want to study physics, and I want to end in quantum mechanics or nuclear physics or something. I dream really about it. So big dream really uh, need to be patient. Need to be have hope all the time. Yes. Thank you so much for that. That's uh, that's that's a, that's a wonderful message, right? And oh, uh, so and we're just going to end on one note of uh, one final question. Uh, can you please run um, against Trump in twenty twenty? <laughs> can we please? That would, yeah, yeah. It would be and, it would be great for would, the world. If you that that could be a final question. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> pessimistic, maybe. Uh, if you could study nuclear physics, would you consider nuking the Middle East? Oh, oh Lord! We have to put sanctions. This, we'll need sanctions. Yeah, yeah. This, this was meant to be a, as a joke question, but uh, <laughs> it's a joke, no, NSA. Uh, but uh, so, so <laughs> now this is actually my final question, and let's call it the final solution. Um, oh, God. The, okay. The, let's say somebody is twelve years old, fourteen years old. Growing up in Saudi Arabia, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, have questions. What do you advise them? Like, how do you, uh, the curious children, the curious teenagers, they have questions about the universe, uh, the world, religion. They have their doubts. What do you advise them? What do you think they, they should be their first step? Good. Get the knowledge. Good. The knowledge from the website or page far from the religion. When you want to learn something, you have to learn it from the really original, not from the religion what they put opinion about that or your society or your family or your, you have to get it original. You have to learn from original things. So go to the source. That's what you're saying. Yeah. If you want to learn about physics, don't go to the Quran about physics, yeah, go to the physics sure. books. Yeah. Sure. Even though the Quran contains lots of miracles, but anyway. Um, <laughs> you got it. Google alayhi salam. Yeah. So your message is that people should learn. If you are curious, try to look for the source and try to learn things from the origin. That's mm. great. Yeah. yeah. And for, uh, how about people who are lazy and fat like me? <laughs> <laughs> you just wait for a revelation. You wait for the revelation. For me, it's Imam Mahdi. Wait, wait, wait for, for Jibrail. Jibrail will come down and he will give you all of your, while you're sitting there and fat and lazy and having your French fries. <laughs> oh, so that's how we do it. Any, okay, anyway, Rana, like, uh, this 
was just um just you know the one of the best two hours that i've had it was just wonderful talking to you so mm-hmm. thank you so I much can't for wait coming to hug on. you in london uh, yeah. that'll be amazing we're gonna have we're gonna have shawarma and bacon yes <laughs> <laughs> so okay guys that's that that's what thank you thank you Rana. thank you so thank much, you so Rana. much Rana. thank you may, may god bless you and may god bless germany <laughs> yeah bye have to see you bye. soon bye, bye. yeah bye. peace allah muhammad ali <laughs>